Arizona Sports, Wolf and Luke. This is Behind Enemy Lines. Gathering intel on this week's Cardinals opponent from inside enemy base camp. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Your retirement is on the clock. Execute your game plan today by visiting canvasannuity.com. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studio. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf today. And we've talked about the Cardinals side of things. Let's get the Atlanta Falcons perspective on Sunday's game with their radio color analyst, Dave Archer, who joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Dave, thanks for the time. How are you doing today? Happy New Year, fellas. Uh, excited about the game this weekend. Um, okay, I mean, Atlanta, let's let's just start here. The Falcons still have something to play for. The Cardinals do not. Um, if you're the Falcons, just kind of give us a sense of, of what the feeling is around this team with two weeks to go in the NFC South that's just been wide open all year. Well, it's it's been a, yeah, the, the numbers would, would not tell you really the story. The Falcons have been in a ton of really close games against everybody they've played. Uh, they're one of the four teams that's beaten the 49ers. I mean, they've had some good moments. They've had some moments where you let it slip through their fingers and, and really over the last four weeks have been in a position, or five weeks, been in a position to win every game they've played. It's come down to the end, and it's been a turnover or a misstep here or there. It's a young team that uh, now has gotten even younger with Desmond Ritter, quarterback, the rookie out of Cincinnati, uh, who's gotten better each and each of his first two starts, two very difficult on-the-road starts, one at New Orleans, and then, of course, last weekend in a frigid Baltimore stadium uh, against a really good Baltimore team that's trying to get themselves into the playoffs. So uh, two good tests for him. He's gotten better each and every week, and he's got a bunch of young dudes around him. Um, he's got a young running back in Tyler Algier who looks like the real deal. Drake London, the outstanding wide receiver they drafted, number one out of USC. And then they've got three guys that are fresh, that are rookies, I say freshmen, rookies playing on the defensive side. So there's a lot of optimism about this team moving forward. Obviously, the season from a postseason standpoint is over for Atlanta, but a lot of optimism in trying to gain in some momentum into the offseason. Hey, you mentioned those young younger guys on offense. How 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 have they managed to? It, oh, I don't know if overcomes the right word, but at least certainly a big loss was when Kyle Pitts uh, went out. And how much of a difference do you think that perhaps, in, especially in these closer games, that uh, he might have been able to make? Yeah, it's it's a good point, and I don't know if they did overcome it, but they uh, they certainly have had to deal with it, right? They, and I think Drake London's emergence, he's got. 14 receptions in the last two games. He's got a, a he's got a real uh, chemistry with Desmond Ritter. That's been fun to watch. I think the continued growth of the run game. Um, we knew that Cordero Patterson returning uh, after he got a new deal signed of the Falcons. Cordero's come back and he's run the ball well. But it's been the emergence of Tyler Algier, the rookie from BYU, uh, who's just a monster running the football. He's got a lot more juice to the perimeter than you think he does. Uh, and he runs by people, and then his receiving, his ability to catch the ball in the backfield has been fun to watch. So these guys, those guys are kind of surfaced to try to help them out. Uh, their offensive line is a good run-blocking offensive line, not necessarily a great pass-blocking offensive line, albeit they've been a little bit better in the last couple of weeks, whether they've stepped up because Desmond Ritter's back there. They know they need to help the rookie out a little bit or what, but they've, they've played well. So that's kind of how they've overcome or tried to overcome 
a Kyle Pitts injury, but you make a great point. He's he affects the game everywhere, whether it's on third down, down in the red zone. Uh, just a you know he's a six foot six target with a seven foot wingspan. It's really not not feasible to replace a guy like that. Talking to Dave Archer, the Atlanta Falcons radio color analyst. Uh, Dave, on the other side of the football, and it seems like it'll be Colt McCoy. At least that was the thought going into today, a quarterback for the Cardinals, and I, I'm still assuming that's who it'll be. Um, what has Atlanta been good at defensively this year? Everybody outside of Atlanta, when they hear Grady Jarrett's name, they just immediately think of him getting the weird roughing the passer call on Tom Brady back when they played uh, Tampa the first time. But he's had a pretty good year other than that. Yeah, weird is a very gentle way of explaining that one. That's a very nice play on your part. That was a horrendous call, by the way. But, uh, um, yeah, Grady Jarrett is the name brand guy on that side of the ball. Atlanta's gets a young defense as well. Uh, their leader on the defensive side of the ball is probably Rashawn Evans, who's a 26-year-old linebacker who originally was drafted in the first round by Tennessee. Uh, for whatever reason, didn't extend his career there. He's come here and been outstanding in the middle linebacker spot. Uh, he's their leading tackler. Got a couple of young guys also alongside him, one being Troy Anderson, a guy they drafted out of Montana State uh, this season in the second round. Troy's a guy that blew up the combine at six foot three, 240 pounds, 244 pounds, ran 4'4 four four at the combine, and he's grown into the job. He's had to kind of learn to play at this level. It's a different, obviously a much different level than playing FCS ball at, at Montana State, but he's come on and he's played a lot the last couple of weeks. You'll see a ton of Troy Anderson. They've got two young edge rushers in D'Angelo Malone, who played at Western Kentucky, was prolific at Western Kentucky. But, again, this game's a little bit bigger in the NFL, so he's growing into that. Arnold and McKenzie, their outside rusher out of Penn State, has been good. Uh, he's dealt with a few injuries. He's back and seems to be as healthy as he's been. Uh, young corner and A.J. Terrell, they drafted two years ago out of, out of Clemson. He's a good player. They don't really have a good player opposite him. I'll be quite honest about that. And they've got two young safeties that are – that are kind of coming along. Uh, it's too bad they can't watch Booter Baker play this weekend. That would be a great example as to who to mirror if you're going to be a safety in the National Football League. Tremendous respect for Buda Baker and what he brings to the table for the Cardinals. So it's a young defense. The thing they've done well is they've played good in the red zone. They, they've been, been, been. They've given up a lot of yards in the run game, which is not necessarily something Dean Pease, their defensive coordinator, would prescribe to. But they have been pretty good in the red zone. I think going in to last weekend, they're around 10th in the league on, in red zone defense. So that's, that's kept games close and kept teams 21 points or under, which has allowed them to stay in a lot of games. And Dave, uh, Luke referenced Colt McCoy, and he was talking about the Falcons' defense uh, when he spoke to the media the other day. And one of the things he talked, he mentioned Dean Peace and the job he does. And he, he also mentioned how the defense has been able to limit teams, especially in the last several weeks, to the number of plays on offense, that there just hasn't been that many plays. So just just overall, what do you what do you discredit to that just good team defense? Because you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of guys that probably Cardinal fans are saying, oh, who's that guy? Who's that guy? With, with the exception of Grady Jarrett. Yeah, I think that certainly the defense deserves some credit for what Colt's talking about there, but I would look towards the offensive side of the football. Atlanta's been able to possess the ball with their ground attack. That'll be something the Cardinals, I'm sure, have worked on in trying to find, make sure their gap sound against Atlanta's running game. Atlanta, I think, third in the NFL in rushing the football. Uh, I think in, in 
uh, 11 of their 14, 11 of their 15 games this year. They've run for almost 150, 145 yards a game, 150 yards a game. That eats clock, as you guys know, and minimizes possession. So I think that uh, that's part of uh, what's helped the defense. Um, but it's a group that's scrappy, and they'll play and they'll play hard. They've got some guys that are probably backup players that are playing because of injury at the corner spot um, and some guys in the interior defensive line. But uh, they're scrappy. They'll play hard. Dave, we appreciate the time. We look forward to the game on Sunday. Thank you, man. Hey, great to visit with you guys. You guys got a good man there in Sean Thompson. Tell him I said hello. I'm a big fan. We will. Uh, well, okay, we'll have to remember to do that. He's not. He took today off. But we'll tell him. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Thanks a lot. That's uh, Dave Archer, the Atlanta Falcons radio color analyst, joining us ahead of the Cardinals-Falcons matchup uh, on Sunday in Atlanta. When we come back... What six weeks? Less than six weeks now till the NBA trade deadline. The Suns still have not made a move. Why have they been so hesitant to do anything big this year? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke Howard Balls are in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke. Howard Balser's in for Wolf today. And as we switch the conversation back over to the Phoenix Suns, who are in Toronto tonight, I'll play this clip for you. This is James Jones on with Burns and Gambo on Wednesday. They asked him, all right, we know Devin Booker's out at least four weeks. Does that mean a move, big or small, is uh, is any closer? No, I mean, I, I don't think it, 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 from day one it hasn't been... Uh, dictated by the players has been dictated by the opportunities and, and so like my focus on continuing to think about how I can build the team for the long term to finish strong that that's at an all-time high um, so this doesn't change that um, internally it, it puts pressure on how we use what we currently have but it's not, you know, it's not, it's not one of those things that that forces our hands and, and has us out there scrambling to do whatever we can possibly do, uh, because you know it's about what's, what we can do that's going to make us the best team at the end of the season. It's, um, I guess it's a it's a quality, right? That James Jones has been able to be patient. Like Howard, I try to think of situations in my life where it's like, okay, could you have been more patient? Were you too patient? Right? And I think for the most part, in in most situations, I have the ability to be patient when needed. Not anywhere near what James Jones is doing. And so up to a certain point here, I'm like, okay, this is you don't want to just go out and make a move recklessly with the trade chips you have. But now we're getting to the point where you do have trade chips and you got to move them. You got to do something. You you can't. It's like we were talking about earlier. If you don't make a somewhat significant move at the trade deadline this year, I'm not sure. I think this team can win the title. And I entered this season thinking this team could win the title. So <laughs> that's just my opinion. It doesn't mean James Jones is going to suddenly do something because of it. I don't think he has to do it this week, but. I, I, this is not one of those years you can get through the trade deadline and be like, yeah, we picked up, you know, kind of like a, a seventh guy on the bench or an eighth guy on the bench. Right. Say, okay, well, cool. Then you're not going to win. Well, I have to ask you, if you entered the season believing they could compete for a championship and essentially that team isn't on the floor now, obviously, mm-hmm. and there was the question at the beginning of the season, 
whether campaign was going to bounce back and play a lot better than last year, which he had until he got hurt. So the, my, my question is, if you had that confidence at the beginning of the season and those guys are now with the team, then why wouldn't there be the confidence that with them all together, assuming again, like we said earlier, no more injuries, why wouldn't that team be capable in your mind of of competing for a championship. I, okay, I, I, I still think they're capable, but a couple things have changed. One, I thought Jay Crowder would be moved. I thought they would have somebody. Uh, two, yeah, the injuries make it seem worse than maybe it ultimately is when they get healthy. Three, though, Chris Paul hasn't looked quite as good as I thought he would, and maybe he will. He's been looking better lately. And then the other thing is there are some teams I expected to be good that are good, like New Orleans and, and Milwaukee. Didn't expect Boston to be quite this good. Like, there are other teams that have moved up a little bit. Memphis, I know they're good. They were good before the start of the season. I don't think they're surprising anybody this year. But it just, it feels like the path is going to be so much more difficult than it was certainly two years ago. And the other thing is, like, that Dallas game. The fact that Dallas just seems to be in their head and that's somebody you might play in the first round. It just feels like the path has gotten harder. Chris Paul's a little bit more of a question mark. And, and I don't understand the hesitation to move Jay Crowder. That's, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know if there's a hesitation to move him. I would. Th- I would the other thing. <laughs> yeah, I would think if someone really wanted him, the deal would be done. We have to talk about that, right? Maybe just nobody wants Jay Crowder at this or at point. least from what the Suns are hoping to get for him. Yeah, and and a new team getting him would be taking this contract for this year, which isn't horrible, but they'd be taking this contract, but knowing that they might not have him afterward. And so, what team really does the team really think that he's going to be? I shouldn't say difference maker, but a guy who will have a significant role on their team to help that particular team win. So I think, you know, that's that's a big part of it. So if there was a deal, you have to believe if there was a deal to be made, it would have been made. And so, at this point, yeah, because that that's the question is like if, if Jay Crowder was just a free agent, would somebody sign him? Yeah, 100 percent. But with his deal, he won't be necessarily signed on your team past this year and you have to trade something for him. Right. That's a totally different conversation. Yeah. And it seems like. There aren't a lot of teams, if any, that are willing to give up anything worth anything for him. Exactly. And so the other part of it, I, and I see your, it's a good point, a great point, is that what's driving your feelings about being able to maybe not just compete for a championship, what does that mean, is win a championship, is because how strong the conference is. Mm-hmm. And the East is probably maybe a little bit better than, than some thought. We knew Boston was pretty darn good because they got to the final last year. Now they're showing that <laughs> that wasn't a fluke. And so, yeah, that's, this, this conference is really hard. And hey, we saw it last year when the Suns had the seed they had and had a, had a grind just to beat the Pelicans and they're a better team this year. Yeah, I think that's the other part of it is, you know, you can look at Golden State last year and, and say, okay, yeah, they, you know, they started fairly strong and then they trailed off, but they, they got better when it mattered most. And, and that's true. And that's clearly the path the Suns are trying to follow. But Golden State's done this before. And that wasn't, not everybody can do it the way they did it. And yeah, that's, you know, when you get to that point, you should be playing your best basketball going into April and May. And you, you should be revving up and, and, and doing it the right way. And, and they did it. But I'm guessing most teams can't do that. Otherwise, most teams would do that. And so maybe the Suns can do it. But it's a great unknown right now. And I just, I look at this team right now and it's like, are they any better than when the season started? You know, we haven't gotten any answers on Cam Johnson as a starter and like a legit scoring option night in and night out because he hasn't been playing. We haven't gotten a whole lot of answers on the bench because campaign looked better and then he got hurt. Landry Shamit looked better and then he got hurt. Like all these guys are getting hurt. And so I do think there was a part of this season that certain players needed and it's not past. If Cam Johnson really does come back next week or whatever, he's still got 40 games to, to ramp up. But until it happens... 
it doesn't feel like this team's getting any better. They're just kind of stagnant right now. No, that, that that's that's a be- good good word, is stagnant, and they probably will be for a period of time. But I think I think overall, James Jones has has done a pretty darn good job of building this roster. Obviously, there's always things that you need and you'd like to have to to get better, but he is looking more more at the long haul. And, and again, like you said, and I don't know if reckless, you're not going to make a reckless trade, but just to do something to do something, does just to just so nobody talks about a trade anymore? Is that does that does that really help this team be better? When he's saying, "Hey, I'm building for the long term, building for what it's going to be at the end of the season," and we'll see. I mean, it's a little early now, and like like we've been pointing out, there it's not like there's a lot of trades being made in the league. It'll probably start picking up after the first of the year, but it still is. I don't know why, why is that trading deadline so early. I, that, that seems I know, a little bit early. You're right. Nothing is. Nobody's doing anything. That that's. That is a point that hasn't been talked about a lot. It's not like all these other teams are making right. trades and the Suns are just like, ah, we're fine. Now, teams did make trades in the offseason and the Suns really didn't do anything. And, and who knows how much Kevin Durant, their interest in Kevin Durant or lack of interest played into that. I also wonder how much Minnesota giving up everything for Rudy Gobert. Like, when, when does that, when does the market correct back after that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the Deshaun Watson deal yeah. in football. When do teams, when do teams get a little more realistic in their trade demands? Because if Rudy Gobert's worth all of that, and apparently he wasn't because Minnesota's not even a playoff team right now, um, that's going to throw everything off. But going back to the fact that the Suns have picks that they can move and they have them in such a way where you know, a lot of contenders, can't trade their 2025 first round pick. Well, that means you can't trade your 2024 or your 2026 in the NBA. You can't be trading, you can't trade first round picks back to back years. The Suns have those options that other contenders don't have. And even as shaky as things have been right now for the Suns, if the season ended today, they'd be picking like 19th or 20th. I don't care about the 20th pick in next year's draft. I really don't. If it can get me a player that's going to help them win now, don't you have to trade that pick? Absolutely, you would. But does. The, the team is going to give you that player. Do they want that pick that bad? Well, I'm hoping they don't think that far ahead. <laughs> well, I, 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 I have to give credit to other GMs, too. <laughs> Isn't there somebody we can pick on here that doesn't realize that's not going to be a good first-round pick? Yeah. I, you know, that's... I think the question now you have with the Suns is is how big do they feel they have to swing at the deadline? I would assume any sort of conversation with Kevin Durant for any team, not just the Suns, probably off the table at this point because it's going so well for Brooklyn. I still don't believe that lasts, but it might last one year. Um, So do they, have they looked at this first, what, two months of the season with the the mindset of, okay, we've seen enough and now we know we got to add another score or we got to add another defender on the wing or we got to add another ball handler handler behind Chris Paul or whatever, or do they look at this and they're like, we haven't seen our team. So we, nothing has changed. We don't, we don't know what we're looking at yet. Yeah, it's it, that the league the league is in this limbo right now, and it's probably probably not unusual. I would think I'm, I certainly don't have records in front of me that shows when trades were made, but I would doubt that there's there's many made at this stage of the season, and then the, they will pick up. But you you mentioned Durant, and I had I had to think back to June thirtieth, July first, mm-hmm. and what the next month was like and all the drama yeah. and all the stories. For nothing. For nothing for nothing. And oh Kevin Dan, no, no, I'm not playing for this. Oh, I want the coach and the GM fired. And I want this and I want and, and every it's like it was a story every day almost. Yeah. Right? And you guys of course were talking about it incredibly. And I, I funny thing I remember I was filling in on the morning show 
that that week. And when the story broke about Durant, I mean, that was a tough time to do shows. There wasn't a whole lot going on in sports. Yeah, and then that's and then that huge. happened. And yeah, that became the whole show. Yeah, that one day in the morning, and there was people saying, "Oh man, Kevin Durant will be a member of the Phoenix Suns by the end of the weekend." Right? Well, to your point, Howard, <laughs> yeah, it's the Fourth of July weekend. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. To your point, we even had this. Arizona Sports, Kevin Durant, watch the latest on KD to the Suns with Wolf and Luke. That's great. Uh, I like that that ominous like yeah. sound too. Like yeah. something's happening. Uh, yeah, look at that time, <laughs> which was what five, four, five, six months ago. wasn't that long ago. It at the very least. Seemed like he was going somewhere. Yeah. Even if he didn't go to the Suns, it's like, okay, this is going to shift the balance of power. Remember, people thought he was going to Golden State. That was at least one team I didn't think he was ever going to. But if he did, that would have changed everything. If he went to Boston, whatever it was. Instead, it was like this really, really dramatic movie that just ends. <laughs> it's like a different movie at the ending, and you're like, cool. I'm so glad I wasted who, my who time. Who wrote that it. ending? Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> it's like they brought in a different writer for the end of the movie or something. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, which players are going to be the key on Sunday when the Cardinals face the Falcons? We'll tell you next. We're going to play a round of Fulcrum Football, the Week 17 edition. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer's in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. It's part of the NFL. It's not easy. It's not easy to win in the NFL. Everybody want to win. Who or what is the tipping point? That's going to be key to our success. This is Fulcrum Football with Wolf and Luke. It is Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer is in for Wolf. It is Fulcrum Football Week 17 edition. Howard, this is your first time ever playing Fulcrum Football. Yes. Um, I will just tell you this. It's typically easier than it will be this week. (laughs) (laughs) The Cardinals roster just gets more and more depleted by the day. And it's not like Atlanta's roster is all that strong right now uh, either. But here we go. So there's the coin flip. Which I won. So I'll be okay. going first. But we can't. You can pick players. These are players to keep an eye on, watch who have an impact on the game. Players that you think will specifically swing Sunday's game, right. and one that, way or the other. And it could be on either team. Either team. Okay. It, it's not. It doesn't. Not like a regular draft where you're just taking the best players in order. It's more just guys that you think will impact the game on Sunday, specifically in Atlanta. All right. Well, let's see. I usually go with Buda Baker with my first pick, and he's not playing. You know what? I think I actually now I think about it. The first pick is easy this week. I want to go with JJ Watt. JJ Watt has two games left. He knows he only has two games left. It's his choice. We all know now that he only has two games left, and he's been playing really good football lately, anyway. So, yeah, first pick, Fulcrum Football. I will go with JJ Watt, and I'm guessing it's going to get real tough after that pick. Well, I, I'm going to have my pick is going to be something that's in a sense tied to JJ Watt. And that is, my guy is on the Falcons. We heard Dave Archer talk about him as Tyler Algier. Oh, yeah, there's sound effects after everything. Oh, okay, sorry. The Falcons running back. I mean, he has 817 yards, is averaging 4.9 per carry. And that's been one area where the Cardinals have been up and down in terms of run defense. 
and they don't have they're not real big in the line. Watt's been pretty darn good in run defense along with the sacks that he's had. And I think that'll be key for the Cardinals is stopping Algier in this running game. And Vance Joseph said it yesterday. He said, we have to stop the run and force them to pass. And so I think uh, Algier will will be a guy either way that that, that swings this game. Did you expect Tyler Algier to be this good as a rookie? The fifth-round pick out of BYU, I I expected he was an afterthought. Definitely. Now we see running backs a lot of times in those mid-rounds become pretty good players, but usually there's some flaw there that the scouts have that that moves them down, and and, and teams draft running backs generally more later than it has been. I remember, heck, I remember the year Alvin Kamara came out. He was a third-round pick. Yeah. And he obviously turned out to be a hell of a player for the Saints. So, no, but I don't know that anybody expected him to to do what he's doing and uh, playing playing pretty good football, obviously. He He also has five rushing touchdowns. He's the third. He's third among all rookie rushers. He's at 817 yards behind Travis Etienne of the Jaguars and Damian Pierce of Houston. Now, obviously, Kenneth Walker's been hurt a little bit, and Brees Hall probably would have been the leading rusher. He's been hurt for a while, but still, that's not a bad find in the fifth round if he's going to come out and play like that as a rookie. All right, my second pick, I will... We're looking for players to swing the game. I don't know how I cannot take this guy because no matter what, he seems to do something that almost swings every game. I'll go with Zayvon Collins. <laughs> Look, let's, let's just be real here, Howard. He's either going to have a great play or he's going to have a great play that gets called back. <laughs> he's going to do one or the other. So, yeah, in a game like this, I mean, I'm assuming this is going to be a fairly tight game and a fairly low-ish scoring. I don't know. I mean, I can maybe get in the 20s. But I'm guessing it's going to be a fairly tight game. So I'm going to lean defense with a lot of these picks, and I'm going Zayvon Collins at number two. And he ties in with what we've just talked about as part of that run defense yep. of doing, you know, trying to contain Algier. And last week against Tampa Bay, they did a they did a pretty good job a lot of times on Leonard Fournette, but then he'd come up with the big plays and they just couldn't stop him all the time. And I thought it was funny on Hard Knocks the other night when there was a play he died for or whatever couldn't come up with the interception I forget who it was whether it was might have been J.J. Watt who said something coming out of the field he says man if you had some hands (laughs) (laughs) if you had any hands whatsoever that was a pick (laughs) any hands whatsoever I'm absolutely going to miss the dynamic between J.J. Watt and Zayvon Collins J.J. Watt and Zach Zach Allen Allen. yeah yeah Yeah, it's pretty 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 strong and man he's, he's he's leaving a heck of a heck of a legacy all right I got I have to come up with uh, my second pick and even though we've talked about the Cardinals defense obviously mostly in the run game and against the Falcons running back I'm going to switch over to the passing game because they will be throwing the football and without Buda Baker and maybe without Marco Wilson and maybe without Antonio Hamilton you took my next pick you're going to take my next pick so I'm, I was like flipping a coin though who should be my who should be my DB that has to come through because one interesting thing Luke is you know Marco Wilson missed the last 22 snaps of the game against the Buccaneers because he had that, which is why he hasn't practiced this week with a stinger and with a neck injury. And all of a sudden, Buccaneers are moving the ball down the field. He was doing a heck of a job and obviously had the two interceptions. So I'm going to pick the rookie corner, Christian Matthew. And because they've, I mean, you don't you don't really have any corners here. No, you Espe- don't. Especially if it was like two weeks ago, I think it was when their top three guys and Byron Murphy's now on injury reserve, and the Falcons have a good receiver, a good rookie receiver in Drake London. So you have to believe that Matthew is probably going to be on him a bunch. 
And that's that's going to be real key here because at the end of that game, even against Denver, with all the miss, missing games, all of a sudden, you know, Jerry Judy started making plays, and that helped the Broncos along with the running game win that game. So I think Matthew is going to be a big key on Sunday. You went with the other side of the matchup. I thought you were going to take Drake London, and that's who I'll take right here. Drake London, who was an absolute just machine when he was at USC, and he was really good to start this year, kind of trailed off. I mean, there was a stretch there where it didn't feel like Atlanta ever even threw the ball, but he is coming into this game off of a seven-catch, 96-yard performance against that Baltimore defense. Um, Look, again, this is not probably going to be a very high-scoring game, but Drake London is a guy that, depending how the quarterback situation works out in Atlanta going forward, whether Desmond Ritter's the guy or they get a vet or whatever, Drake London's, he's, that talent's legit. So I'll, I'll, he could absolutely be a game changer on Sunday because the Cardinals secondary is basically Jalen Thompson. This might be an obvious one, but I think it's interesting because we don't know the status of Colt McCoy. Hopefully we'll know that pretty soon after Cliff Kingsbury talks to the media. But with McCoy at quarterback, and DeAndre Hopkins, by the way, left the field after in part of the practice this morning, so we don't know what's going on with him. But we'll assume those guys are playing. I, DeAndre Hopkins, to me, is a, if 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 Trace McSorley had been able to find him even two or three times, other than the one reception one last catch week, catch on ten targets, one DeAndre ten, Hopkins, and, and the other passes weren't even catchable. Yeah, and Hopkins is the guy. He, you just throw it to even if he's covered. Throw, you throw it near him. Yeah, be, yeah, because he's one of the best contested pass catchers in the game, and maybe in a long time. And so with McCoy, certainly there's a much better chance of getting Hopkins much more involved in making those plays. Because if he makes two or three plays, they probably beat the Buccaneers on Sunday night. So I'll say DeAndre Hopkins didn't like that. He only had one. And, it was kind of out of his control. Yeah. But you have to believe he's going to bounce back, especially. But it, it, it needs to be with Colt McCoy, a quarterback. Can you imagine if DeAndre Hopkins had, like, Patrick Mahomes or somebody oh. even close to that level in his career? He, all the different quarterbacks he bounced around with in Houston. I know he had Deshaun Watson for a year, year or two when Deshaun Watson was good. But, but still, for the most part in his career, he's been, it feels like Hopkins deals with two or three different quarterbacks every season. All right, one more round to this. I'm going to go similar vein, and maybe he doesn't impact the game enough on Sunday, but then if he doesn't, I think that starts to raise some questions. I'll go with Hollywood Brown. Uh, this is a guy that there's, if we do fulcrum football for the offseason, he's going to be one. <laughs> yeah. Are you paying Hollywood Brown? He has some moments where he looks really good. He has some moments where you forget he's out there. Obviously, the injury and the quarterback injuries uh, didn't help, but uh, yeah, I'll go with Hollywood for Sunday. One more. One more. One more. And here's a guy who can be a game wrecker when he makes big plays. And it can be in a running game. Sometimes it can be in the receiving game. Sometimes it can be in the return game. And that's Cordaro Patterson of the Falcons. Yeah. And he's averaging over 31 yards per kickoff return. So, hint, Matt Prater, don't let him return any. That, that's number one. <laughs> However, and, that, of course, that depends on how many times the Cardinals are even able to kick off. Right? We know it'll happen at least once. Yeah, it might not be but, that much of an issue for, for Matt Prater. But he also is a, a jack-of-all-trades. He does so many different things in that offense, and you have to be aware of him all the time on the field because of all the different things he can do. So I think that that's a, that's a guy that uh, can definitely make that big play that changes the game, especially when it's a close game. Yeah, 
a game like this where it probably will be tighter and low scoring, Cordero Patterson's a real nice weapon to have. Because he is just such an odd player and an odd career arc, too, where he's, yeah, you're in the league, and it looks like you can do all, all this stuff, and then how many teams gave up on him because he wasn't doing the stuff, and now he's he's been huge for Atlanta, not so much uh, this season. He's been huge. It just hasn't been a, enough to, uh, to save their season. All right, that was Fulcrum Football, Week 17 edition. It is a little different when both teams are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but uh, that's where we are. All right, we come back with two weeks left in the NFL's regular season. How is the actual playoff picture shaping up for the teams in contention? We'll break it down next. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Let's go! Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, breaking news. I have no idea what this is, Aaron. What is it? Is it good? So, I don't know if you want to call this good, but um, Tyler Drake, our own Tyler Drake, he's at the Cliff Kingsbury press conference right now, and he just said, with Colt McCoy dealing with some concussion symptoms, it'll be David Blau getting the start this week. David Blau? David Blau. So... All right, there's a lot to unpack there. So wow. they, they have seen enough of Trace McSorley, I would assume. And our own Tyler Drake just tweeted that DeAndre Hopkins is dealing with a knee issue. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Anything else from Tyler? What, yeah, what else can happen? I may unfollow Tyler at this point. <laughs> Let's all mute Tyler. Well, I've been, I've been waiting because I knew that Cliff was talking within the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Certainly didn't expect. I mean, heck, Colt McCoy met with us Wednesday. I had an, in, a conversation with him in the locker room just one-on-one. It was just a funny little story I told him because he had told a story Wednesday about his son playing baseball and I told him a funny story about my son playing baseball just chatting with him for two minutes in the locker room yesterday Yeah, at the end of practice. So all of a sudden you have concussion symptoms again? Well, wow. if, if, he's, if there's anything like that he doesn't need to play again this year. Like aside from everything right. else, there's there's no reason, especially against the 49ers next week. Yeah, Ooh. it's that again with Cole. I mean, there's how many different layers to this? Just the simple human level with everything that's going on with like Tua and some of the other quarterbacks this year with concussions. There's no point in running him out there anyway. But there's especially no point in running him out there because these games don't mean anything. Not not that that would justify it, justify risking his his health. Uh, you know, with a concussion, but especially like it makes it very easy to just be like, yeah, you're not playing. Now, the fact that they're going David Blau over Trace McSorley, that's interesting. It, re- it really is. And he's only been with the team two weeks. Mm-hmm. So on one level, you would say, well, how can you do that? How much could he know of the offense? Well, we saw last night Joshua Dobbs, who'd only been with the Titans for one week. He actually played decent football last night for the Titans and was competitive. And Blau's been around the league. He's played a little bit. He was he was picked up a couple weeks ago on the Vikings practice squad. Maybe they're letting him play because he knows he'll be another good good story for hard knocks. Big, big, big year for him. He's actually on both hard knocks. Yeah, exactly. Detroit, yeah, so. And, now and do, pro- you, do you now remember probably- that uh, his episode on hard knocks? Yeah. yeah. 
he fumbled the ball right. to lose them the game. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so he, come on, David Blau, let's get a win. This is, yeah, let's redeem yourself on Hard Knocks. Big redemption moment where you struggle on the off-season Hard Knocks, so you switch teams and win a meaningless game for the other team right. on in-season Hard Knocks. And you know that'll be a big part, either way, of next week's Hard Knocks. We know they have footage of him on Detroit. <laughs> yes, a lot of it. <laughs> uh, but... It's interesting because I was just talking about Colt McCoy being on the same page with DeAndre Hopkins, which Trace McSorley was not. You wonder, can Blau be? But now we don't even know what Hopkins' situation will be, which is also, you look, I mean, here's a, I mean, here's a guy, Hopkins, I know we're getting off our planned subject here, but here's a guy until last year hadn't missed a game in his NFL career, right? Yeah, now, um, now, he's now he missed games last year with a hamstring and a knee. Right then, this year he missed again. Oh no, he didn't miss with a hamstring this year, but his his snaps were reduced significantly in two games because he was playing with a hamstring tweak. And now all of a sudden there's an issue with his knee again. So I don't know if that's a, we don't know if that's the same knee as last year's knee injury. But once again, a day cannot pass, Luke. Uh uh-uh. A day, days of our lives, the soap opera. A day cannot pass with something crazy happening to this football. It team. has felt like a soap opera. Eight years for DeAndre Hopkins, seven in Houston, and then his first year here, he missed two total games in and, eight years. And I don't think they were because of injury. Uh, that might be true. That might have just you're right. That could have been something different. Um, but so still, he played all but two games in eight years, and so far this year, he's already missed. Do the math here. He's already missed six games this year, and he missed seven games last year. There awesome. We go. <laughs> Just awesome. Uh, all right. To the NFL playoff picture, which is where we were going to go here. Um, just looking around and, and kind of resetting this for everybody since we have Howard here. What do we, we have? We have five teams locked in in the AFC, which to me is the more compelling conference at this point. You have the AFC South up for grabs, Tennessee. Barely played anybody last night because they know really it just matters what they do next week against Jacksonville. And so that's that's going to be decided next weekend when the Jaguars and Titans play. So you really only have one playoff spot open beyond that for either the Dolphins, who everybody kind of assumed was a lock, or the Patriots, who play the Dolphins this weekend, or the Jets, who have Zach Wilson, or the Steelers. Steelers still right. in it, too. Yeah, there, there's no, the Steelers still in it? I know. It's crazy. Well, you know what? Here, here's a crazy thing. There's seven. There's nine teams right now in the NFL, seven and eight, <laughs> and they're all alive for the playoffs. And just think of that in the context of the Cardinals. As bad as the season is, four and 11, if somehow they find a way to win three of those other winnable games, they'd be at seven, and they'd, still be, they'd probably still be alive for a playoffs. But it's only a difference of three games. That's what a fine the line last there is. four, there were three yeah. games you should have won in there, and Bingo. it wouldn't even make you a better team. No. It was just, hey, you, made, you, you got a first down against the Chargers, you didn't fumble against the Patriots, and you just let Denver Denver themselves, right. and you'd be in the playoffs. Or, right or even the Buccaneers. I mean, heck, they could have won all four of them. And then, point lead in the fourth yeah. quarter. So, 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 yeah, that's 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 just the nature, obviously, of this league. So you have all those seven and eight teams of the teams trying to gain something this week. And you mentioned the five in the AFC: uh, Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore, Cincinnati, and the Chargers are in the postseason. NFC is Minnesota, San Francisco, Dallas, and the Eagles. Then there's other teams trying to get in. Other teams trying to get home field. There's only three teams, Luke, that control their own destiny this weekend in terms of gaining something that that all that team has to do is win they don't need help from other teams Tampa's one of them right Tampa Bay is one of them and they've it's, really earned that right right yeah very much so they would win the division 
if they beat the Panthers, and that obviously would knock the Panthers out of any playoffs, any playoff hope. The Giants, with a win, would clinch a playoff berth. There's a whole bunch. I'm not going to go into all the other things that if they if they lose, we're or not going to go beautiful mind here with like no, the floating no. math equations. No, in, in fact, the weird thing is all of the other options for the Giants if they don't win include if they tie or if there there can be some. It doesn't matter what they do. Like there, there's one where if Seattle loses, Detroit loses, and Green Bay loses or ties, then the Giants are in, even if they lose. So basically, the Giants are going to get in, <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> then Philadelphia, which of course has clinched the Philadelphia's only a playoff berth, pretty big to play for. Yeah, I would they, argue. they do. Yeah, if they win this game and they play New Orleans, if they all they have to do is win or tie, and they will clinch home field advantage and. Obviously, the division for home field advantage, they don't even the tie doesn't even matter. But but the 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 ability to get that first round by this is this is not a couple of years ago where it's like oh okay they got the two seed instead of the one seed. The one seed is a free win in the playoffs. You just move on to the second round. Right. That I feel like that gets lost in the shuffle where people are like, well you know how big is it that Philadelphia gets to host some games? How big is it that they don't have to play a game in the first round? They just right. move into the second round and nobody else does that. And let's remember, I mean, in the past it was the first two teams had that mm-hmm. where they had a buy. The two teams with the best record. Now, of course, they changed it to only one when they added a playoff team to the mix and added another wild card team. So, yeah, there's only one, as we repeat many times, there's only one first round bye in each conference in the playoffs. Carolina, going back to that game against Tampa Bay, if Carolina wins, all they have to do is beat New Orleans in week 18 and they're in the playoffs. Yes, Carolina. They, they control their own destiny, but they've got to win too. They've got to win, yeah. It, it, and it's they very much control their own destiny because like, if you lose, you're just done. It's right. win, you're in, lose, you're done. Um, this is Justin Herbert. Chargers are in. Chargers, if you remember, just missed the playoffs last year in that weird game against the Raiders. So he is finally in the playoffs. He talked about how that feels. I think it's a great sign for all the hard work that we put in this year. And, and we've definitely dealt with our adversity, our fair share. Um, but, you know, the story of the day was the defense stepping up big time, getting those stops. And, um, you know, there's plenty of room for improvement for our offense. Um, but, you know, it, it's a good sign for us of, of things to come. And then Damian Woody talking about one team he thinks will make the playoffs that honestly I thought was done three weeks ago. Their last two games are in Lambeau. And I think you look at Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, they've won what three in a row in the month of December? Mm-hmm. I always say momentum is a funny thing. It really is. It's a funny thing. You got both Minnesota and Detroit two divisional opponents that's coming to your place and the commander's going to lose one. They're going to lose one. And I think the Green Bay Packers are going to find themselves in. If we have to watch Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady make some deep playoff run. Just know that everybody in the NFC except like Philadelphia and San Francisco is at fault for leaving the door open. Because neither one of them are having a good season. They might both make the playoffs. Now, we were talking about the Dolphins earlier. They can get in with a win, but they they need the Jets to lose or tie. And the Dolphins will clinch. A playoff berth. Well, no, but nobody's falling faster than the Dolphins. Right. No. Exactly. And Or, well, the other team falling faster is Tennessee. Has now <laughs> yeah, lost. I feel like they've already fallen. Yeah, like, they've totally fallen. I guess they, the team. they still can make it. 
Yeah, yeah. and they've and they'll be playing Jackson. It didn't matter that they lost last night to Dallas because they will play Jacksonville in Week 18 for the division title. No matter what the Jaguars do on Sunday, I'm guessing we'll magically see Derrick Henry next week. Oh, yeah, we'll, I think so. We'll not see a different quarterback though because they don't have one. Uh, coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke Howard Balzer in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.